to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Welcome to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. I'm Katrina Rowe, a Sydney-based broadcaster, author and storyteller. So many of us in Australia don't know our own history. Many of the stories of Australia's heroes, pioneers and visionaries have been buried. In this podcast, we want to dig up some of their stories and light up their names, make them visible again. So as you hear their stories, we hope you'll be inspired to keep the faith and join in the work of making the invisible visible. Today, we travel to the coastal Queensland town of Bundaberg. 26-year-old missionary Florence Young moved from Sydney to her brother's sugar plantation in 1882. Her heart went out to the underpaid and mistreated Pacific Islander men that worked in the sugar industry. They'd been uh, bringing in labour from the islands and oftentimes they were blackbird or smugglers who smuggled them into Queensland and they were being used as basically slave labour. They were paid a little bit, but being men away from home, uh, away from their culture, they were, of course, prey to the worst of Western civilization. And she saw what was happening to them and felt really sad and found that they responded very quickly when she was kind to them and offered to teach them uh, to read and write. And she used the Bible to do that. Focusing on care, compassion and empowerment, Florence Young started the Queensland Kanaka Mission. She spent her life expanding this mission along the south coast of Queensland and later to the Solomon Islands. Paul Rowe is the Outback historian, a storyteller from the back of Burke who wants to help us understand our shared heritage. And together we are uncovering the stories of some remarkable but not always well-known Australians. And today we head to Bundaberg in coastal Queensland to meet Florence Young, a missionary who reached out to the local Pacific Islanders, many of whom had been blackbirded, stolen from their island homes, to work as virtually slave labour on Queensland farms. Paul, I hadn't heard of Florence Young. She grew up in New Zealand. She ended up on a farm in Bundaberg, but her first missionary experience was really in China. How did she end up as a missionary in China? Well, Katrina, it was an era where the evangelical missionaries were spreading out all over the world. It was a phenomenon of the 19th century. And one of the interesting parts of that was the role played by women. Oftentimes they didn't get much opportunity in the churches at home, but as soon as they went to the mission field, they found they were actually the leaders. They were sort of playing the role of ministers or pastors or whatever. And uh, so Florence found herself in China, inspired by a famous missionary called Hudson Taylor. And uh, she and her brother's whole family were influenced by him. And so she went there and found it very, very difficult. It was a very tumultuous time in China. There was a massive reaction to Western imperialism and missionaries. And so Around 1900, the Boxer Rebellion sort of exploded with a massacre of missionaries in in Peking, as it was called then, and uh, she was sort of deeply shocked by that and came home with a nervous breakdown. Wow. So she was deeply affected by that. She came home and then she found a very obvious injustice on her own doorstep. Can you tell us about that? 
for some time they'd been uh, bringing in labour from the islands and oftentimes they were blackbird or you know, smugglers who smuggled them into Queensland and they were being used as basically slave labour. They were paid a little bit, but being men away from home, uh, away from their culture, they were, of course, prey to alcohol and womanising whatever and uh, the worst of Western civilization. And she saw what was happening to them and felt really sad and found that they responded very quickly when she was kind to them and offered to teach them uh, to read and write. And she used the Bible to do that. And how successful was her mission in Queensland? Well, yeah, it spread to other other farms um, and became very popular. And of course, learning to read and write was a, an asset. It's a lot of gold to be able to read and write. And of course, changes came with their culture. They brought from the islands, they were still living a fairly superstitious kind of lifestyle and very violent. It was a pretty violent place, even though it's one of the most beautiful sets of islands in the world. Uh, there were some pretty ugly things with cannibalism and wars and fighting. So it was ferocious. And so the gospel of Jesus was sort of a real challenge to that way of thinking and that way of living. And men were changing. And then when they were going back home, they found themselves ostracized from their own society. So they were finding it difficult. And eventually they started to send messages back to Florence and her friends to say, could you please send some teachers to help us? So in um, 1901, this got a very big shake-up when an act was passed to send all Pacific Highlanders home. What impact did that have on her work and on the students of her mission? Well, yeah, some state, I think, obviously, and uh, they, people like Mal Meninga, who played uh, rugby league for Australia, I mean, he was uh, a product of that sort of era. And there are islanders, I think, one of the preachers in Burke, where I lived, uh, was from that era too. His family stayed on. But a lot of them were sent home. Uh, I suppose it was part of the white Australia policy. So um, suddenly the mission focus shifted to the islands and the need to kind of help teach these new Christians who were struggling to survive. They were getting a pretty hard time from their culture and obviously ostracised when they stopped practising the things they used to. So she had to think, how can we do that and start to recruit missionaries and others who would go there. And the, the interesting thing with her and her family was that a lot of her extended family, uh, the famous Deck family as uh, doctors, dentists and others, mobilised to go to the islands eventually and um, did an extraordinary work there. And that eventually became a very long dynasty of active Christians all over the world, um, and including in more recent times, Catherine Hamlin in Ethiopia doing the fistula hospital. She's a descendant of that family. So they had a pretty much a century of sort of industry and sacrifice and giving their gifts to people all over the world. Florence Young eventually did go to um, the Solomon Islands herself um, after a while yeah. and and her mission went pretty well there and the Solomon Islands is still a strongly Christian country today. So how successful was her mission there and how is she remembered by Solomon Islanders today? Well, I taught some of those uh, men and women from the Solomon Islands and they still very much value uh, what they were gifted back there a century ago talked to missionaries who worked there in the 70s and they saw tremendous changes in the Solomons uh, because of a Christian revival. And I talked to a Solomon Island pastor one time up in Bundaberg who said to me, I said, you know, how do you see this mission work? He said, well, I live here in Bundaberg because for us in the Solomons, we pray for Bundaberg every day. So that's where we, we, it's like our Jerusalem. That's where the gospel came from to our islands. And so we were 
we we sort of have a great respect, a very high respect for this city and for what Florence Young and her friends did for us in bringing the gospel to the Solomon Islands. So why was she, I guess, so successful and so positively remembered? She was a pretty strong leader. She kept hands on and uh, she was very strict in her control. She was very sort of more conservative in her Christianity. And I think she was able to mobilise, like I said, her family and very gifted people to go there. And the people loved her. She was a very kind and uh, compassionate lady. I think she set that as a benchmark in the mission of trying to not just send missionaries but to train native workers and to make an indigenous church. And so the South Seas Evangelical Mission eventually became the South Seas Evangelical Church run by indigenous leaders. So they were successful in eventually sort of handing the whole operation over to the people of the Solomon Islands. Well, thank you so much for, yeah, for telling us all about Florence. Yeah, she's one of those uh, sort of little uh, little ladies that's sort of lost in history, but she's quite a quite a strong person. And you think, well, she eventually triggered a change in a whole nation. You know, the Solomon Islands is profoundly Christian, and uh, it began on her sugarcane farm there in a pretty ugly situation, I suppose, with men who were being enslaved to some degree. And somehow she turned that ugly thing around to a real positive. Well, thanks so much. That is the Outback historian, Dr. Paul Rowe. We've been talking about Florence Young, a young missionary who reached out to the Pacific Islanders working in Queensland at the turn of the 20th century, and they still remember her as a real founder of their faith. You can find Paul Rowe online at thealpachistorian.com.au. Thanks for listening to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. In episode 10, we'll meet Betty Cuthbert, a four-time Olympic champion who later suffered from multiple sclerosis. The influential athlete was honoured at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Here's these three women athletes, uh, each of them paying tribute to the other. Raylene Boyle said that you know, she'd been inspired by Betty and then uh, in turn, Kathy Freeman says, well, these are the women that have inspired me, not just by their running, but by their character and by their courage. There's another kind of glory in the courage of the human spirit. And I think that's what Betty Cuthbert sort of embodied that day, uh, even in a crippled state where those wonderful legs that had carried her to gold medals weren't working anymore, but the, the spirit was still strong. With her faith and courage, Betty Cuthbert was an inspiration not only to other athletes, but also to people with MS. We'll share that story in Episode 10 of Australia's Invisible History. I hope you'll join us. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.